Welcome to the future of XYZ. I'm your host, Lisa Grelnick, principal and founder of LVG & Co., an independent strategy consultancy based in New York City. Through quick and candid conversations with innovative leaders, we aim to foster new thinking and explore big questions about where we are as a world and where we're going. And welcome to the future of XYZ. Uh, this week we are speaking about the future of queerness. Uh, with me is my dear friend Kim Tai. Kim, thank you so much for joining us on Future of XYZ. Of course. Thank you for having me, Lisa. I'm so honored to be here. Well, it's our honor to have you. Kim's background uh, is pretty impressive. She is an Emmy award-winning producer. She's a published author and former journalist. Uh, with a master's in journalism from Columbia University. She is a mindfulness teacher, the founder of Ganesh Space, which we can talk a little bit more about uh, and its focus on inclusion uh, and changing norms. Uh, and she's more and more, I would say, a very activist voice in uh, the LGBTQ plus community. So again, Kim, thank you. And uh, welcome to Pride Month, the end of Pride Month. I think Sunday is... Uh, Sunday is Pride Pride Parade, at least in New York City and probably elsewhere around the world. Yes, happy Pride, happy Pride. <laughs> so I think the first question, if we're talking about the future of queerness, let's define queerness first. Yeah, absolutely. I think in order to talk about the future, we have to talk about where it started to, right, and the history behind it. Um, you know, I think queerness, uh, first, historically, it's really important to know it started off as a derogatory term right like we we think about that sort of slang of like queer as a as a as a three dollar bill right um is it three or two dollar bill it's not two it's a three it's it's a, it's a three, three right yeah. Yeah. yeah and so you know it's really interesting in the last sort of like five years i would say five seven years um we really saw this sort of reclamation of the word queer from the lgbtqia plus community and i think a lot of that was like hey we really want to make this language ours and we really want to own it right and so one of the things i love about the word and the concepts and the term of queer is the fact that it's sort of naturally ambiguous, right? There's this sort of idea and definition of it being um, inherently fluid and inherently not having a shape or form, right? And, um, you know, I, I very much identified with this term sexually, not from my gender identity, but um, early on, because I was like, well, I guess I could call myself by I don't know but it was more along the lines of like I was much more comfortable um, just being in this sort of gray and non-binary sort of space when it came to my sexuality and so I think um, when I think of queerness and the way that I define it it's being okay with that gray space right and so um, so you know and i and i and i think you know that sort of philosophy and ideology can be applied a lot to life too whether or not you identify in the community or not i i, I like that i mean ultimately as you said it was a derogatory term where queer is just anything different than the norm right so cisgender is identifying with you know your your born gender or sexual identity and then of course you have straight people 
um, of which I am both of those things, you know, in, <laughs> in, full, in full disclosure, you know, and so this is topics that even I, and I think this talks to a little bit the state of things, you know, as the progress happens, right. it, it, it is moving in some ways so quickly, right? The acceptance, especially around transgender and some of these added, you know, acronym letters yep. uh, to the definition, it, it, it's hard, it's sometimes hard to keep up uh, and to understand. So can we also just talk about kind of what's been happening in terms of the identities and, and what makes queerness yeah. Um, you know, this kind of all-encompassing umbrella at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's, a, you know, if, if you actually look at the pride flag, it's been redesigned a couple of different times now, right? Like it's become more and more inclusive in the last couple of years. So like we know the traditional sort of rainbow colors, right? And I think the origin story of that was that like we, you know, I think uh, the original designer said he wanted it to be something positive and bright, but also still very natural. And that's where the idea of a rainbow symbol um, uh, came for the community. But as time kind of moved on, and if you look historically too, that um, unfortunately, even within the community, people of color were marginalized, right? And and kind of pushed aside with their, their needs and then specifically the trans community. And so there's been a lot of sort of, um, uh, pushing and, and huge strides made within and outside of the community to make sure that queer people of color, specifically queer Black people um, and Black trans people um, have more of a voice in, in, in the fight, right? Because often they've been overlooked. And, and I think, you know, if you look at the state of things now, like, yes, that there's been progress and there's definitely been more acceptance. Um, you know, a family friend, uh, an older woman, uh, like her granddaughter came out as non-binary from a gender perspective, right? And um, and she was just telling me, the grandmother was like, I, you know, it's hard for me to even just switch like from she to they, and like, how do I even do that in my brain, right? And, yeah. and, and, and I think that's valid and, and, and I, and, but I so appreciated her effort to even want to do that, right? And, and, and one of the things I'll say too, is this seems to be a point of conversation as more people are feeling comfortable coming out as, as non-binary from a gender perspective is that even that one pronoun, right, of, of it really validates their experience and identity, right, and, and misgendering someone really has such um, harmful impacts. So something that might be um, just like a, a, an inconvenient grammatical thing for us is actually huge, huge point of validation for someone else, you know? And, and it makes so much sense because of course, similar to race or religion, you know, or, or, and maybe even more so, you know, how you are perceived and how you understand yourself. Uh, when those things are mismatched, you, you kind of lose a place in the world to some degree. Uh, and when it's matching and feel you feel seen, you find a place in the world in a profound way. I think the growth of the community, I mean, we, we can go back to 69 and the Stonewall riots, you know, yeah. in New York City's Greenwich Village um, as really the beginning of the fight for, for, you know, for gay rights, let's call it at that time. Sure. And then the machinations since then, I mean, the role of in the United States of the Supreme Court 
um, the role of certain legendary leaders. Uh, all of this has kind of continued to go on. And I believe that Pride Month started in, you know, was officially designated Gay and Lesbian Pride Month by Clinton in 99. And of course, it's taken on further and further again, going forward with the times. Um, what do you see as kind of the, the biggest, most exciting thing that's happening in 2021 and coming out of COVID especially? And what is, you know, where, where are things heading? Yeah, I mean, exciting. I mean, I think I think for me, what's really exciting is that we're actually going to be able to celebrate pride this year, right? I think like we really were, a, we had to shut down last summer. Um, and so traditional sort of pride march, right, wasn't um, wasn't accessible. And I think that was really, uh, really debilitating to a lot of the community to not be able to come together, right? It was such, it's such a part of the culture and such a part of the resistance. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I have to say too, I think one of the, one of the pieces coming out of the pandemic is that, and this has been happening for years now is that corporations have really hijacked pride right and made their logo a rainbow flag and like that's been enough and you know um you know i think uh, representative jayapal recently was like I like just literally like broke down every single company that has put out a rainbow flag, but hasn't actually done anything to help um, all the anti-trans bills that are on the floor right now, right? So um, I mentioned all that to say that I think the community coming out of the pandemic and I think at large is becoming a lot more aware of that sort of capitalizing off of a movement and that um, I think that people are getting more towards the heart of what it really started as to all to, to your point at, at Stonewall so I, I think that's pretty amazing and and you said something really beautiful um, and it'll probably come up in the quote card but you know that the parade is 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 such a part of the culture as well as of the resistance yeah. Um, and, you know, having having been to Pride in many cities and, and celebrating, you know, alongside, I think there is something profoundly cultural mm -hmm. about the togetherness. And of course, last year also, I mean, let's not forget it was the, the you know, the middle of Black Lives Matter and all the, the, the police activity and defund the police and everything else. So Pride had a double whammy on it, you know, COVID, COVID plus a social reckoning. I, I, it's interesting though, because that social reckoning, of course, has multiple meanings. And I'd love to get into some of the work that you're doing at Ganesh Space, because in fact, they are very intricately as a, as a queer Asian, you know, uh, yourself, I think that that is a very interesting kind of intersection uh, of queerness and race and, and, and identity overall. So tell me, tell us uh, all about Ganesh Space a little bit and the work that you're aiming to achieve. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for us, so we're, a, you know, a community organization that really explores the intersection of mindfulness and social justice, right? And like, so we really look at creating these spaces that dismantle um, internalized oppression, right? And so I think one of the things uh, about that is um, questioning the constructs that we live in and the human experience as defined by our current society, right? Which all sounds really heady, but we all do it through like yoga mats and and and, and meditation cushions. But you know, I think so much of um, 
uh, the experiences that we live in day to day, like we're questioned, our worthiness is questioned because of identity matter, like labels, right? Whether it's sexuality or gender or a race or um, through our body. And so we really take this space and say, hey, like how much of that uh, narrative has been imposed on us and how much of that can we flip the script, right? And actually feel empowered as we're moving um, out of these mindfulness practice and uh, practices and be able to actually take that energy and then also do good in the world right mm -hmm. so like to your point last year we really felt like we had to do something with both the resurgence of black lives matters and with pride month you know and we did this huge um pride festival pride and purpose where we only had pride um presenters and teachers and speakers and we were able to raise $7,000 to the Audre Lorde project for their black trans, um, you know, programs, right? Because it was really important for us to be able to help support the community in that way. So I think, you know, I think that's one of the things that I hope anyone listening to this will take out of this is like, hey, there's always a way that you can actually show up as an ally, no matter how you identify um, and, and at whatever intersections you live in. And something as simple as even putting your your pronouns in, in your name, right? Like I think can really help people feel more seen in a very gentle and subtle way if you're not one to like go march on the streets, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I remember last year, actually, the um, Black Trans Lives uh, Matter parade right downstairs from me with the, you know, the all white and fabulous and it went on, it went on for blocks. It was so impressive. And it was for me, I think, an eye opener, as for many, that this is such a marginalized community who finally was able to feel proud and seen uh, at such a at such a large scale. It's interesting because, of course, we've had a change of administration since then as yeah. well. And you know, you're talking about the anti-trans bills that are going through Congress at so many levels and in state legislatures and everything else. Of course, America is still, I mean, in some ways we're reasonably progressive, and in many ways we are extremely not by the world standard. Um, what is happening right now politically, if, if you're willing to discuss it, that you as an activist are have your eyes on uh, that you think is is really potentially positive or, or potentially really detrimental to the to the queer community? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I'll say is that I think, you know, when we were under the Trump administration, everyone was very, anyone who, you know, aligned with progressive politics um, was on very, very high alert, right? We were like very much like, oh my God, we have to watch every single second. We're gonna check the news every chance that we get. What is this guy doing? Like, you know, injecting disinfectant into our arm, all the things, right? I, and, and I think one of the things that has become really dangerous under the Biden administration is that, you know, there's a lot of legislation that's still being pushed through by conservative um, lawmakers um, that just aren't getting as much press, right, or attention. Like, if you actually look at this last legislative session, 117 bills were introduced that were anti-trans. That's the most that has been introduced in the last 15 years, and most people don't know about that. And where, where is that coming from, Kim? Like, where are those originating? 
I mean the South, but like I, <laughs> but like, you know, I think that they're originating in the, in the sense that people, these conservative lawmakers are hoping to quietly push through these bills um, and not really gain that much attention, right? Um, it's happening with voting rights and, 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 you know, we're like, you know, dawning on a new sort of Jim Crow era down South as well. And so I think, you know, it, you always see this sort of big um, backlash that happens with extreme sort of, you know, progressive politics and also extreme um, conservative politics. And just because the head of the beast is no longer um, steering the ship, it doesn't right. mean that people are still not pushing through this legislation, you know? And so, um, and I think that the other piece that's at least heartbreaking for me is that most of these bills are actually going to affect transgender youth the most, right? And these, you know, we're talking about 17-year-old high school kids yeah. who are yeah. just trying to like figure out life, you know? Figure out life. Well, I thought it was, I, I, I actually, my first kind of awareness of the transgender, you know, challenge, if you will, as a human being is, is yeah. when Trump basically overturned the Obama era serve in the military. Yep, totally. And then the whiplash, of course, and it's all executive by executive order, executive writ, you know, and now having them back in. And I say like, and, and of course in prisons and, and now COVID care and all the rest of it. I mean, it is so complex and these are human lives that are fragile to begin with for all of us, much less when again, we go back to how, who you feel you are, you're not being seen, not being identified. The fragility is so rough. And then you add to it minority, you know, communities where it's not understood and people are isolated and ostracized and don't necessarily have the familial or community support. And you think that there are 117 bills, I think is the number you gave. And, and, and it breaks your heart because you realize to your point, this is a generation of people. There's a generation that's already been dealing with this, but at least in my experience and with my friend's kids, there's a generation that is coming up that these normatives of male, female are no longer enough. The binary yeah. doesn't work. And I'm not sure if you have an opinion on why that is in the future of queerness, because it seems that a gender fluid future, not just sexual orientation, but gender mm -hmm. is actually where we're going a bit. Yeah, thank goodness, right? <laughs> like it excites me anyways. I mean, I, I mean, I think we're going towards that because we can't live in a black and white world anymore, right? That's sort of like the, um, that's that's the reality of it and like even if we're let's not talk globally for a second but just talk personally right but like when you're going through your day-to-day -day life and things have to be ex like rigidly this or rigidly that i think we can all say that we've either done that ourselves or experienced coworkers or bosses where that doesn't that's not very a productive way to live right or yeah. to work and so um <clears throat> And show up in the world. And so I think this idea of expanding our sort of horizons and consciousness and the way that we look at things is actually going to create more flexibility, is going to create more um, humanity, right? And seeing each other. And, and I think the reason why it scares so many people, right? The reason why I think so many bills have been introduced, right? Is that when you're moving away from this is how I see the world and it has to be this way, that's when people get the most terrified, yeah, right? Absolutely. 
absolutely when you when when you when you challenge the 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 standing powers that's right that's right that's what it is but the grandmother who you mentioned and i'm yeah. seeing it with you know who want to learn myself as well and my friends you know i mean you want to learn how to use the pronouns correctly you want to understand what they mean and 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 what it means when you don't use them correctly and 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 beyond that right that's symbol right. and language but you know what more what more to be an ally as you say um in the trenches as, as we think about wrapping up here kim yep. you know what kind of things besides the symbols but coming back to the work you're doing in that space and the mindfulness oh. coaching that you do um and that you write so beautifully about what are some things that you could leave listeners and viewers with that you know really can help whether they're in their own queer journey or like myself trying to understand how to be a better ally yeah absolutely so so i think i'll answer if you're if someone is in their own queer journey first and the fact that i would just make sure that you have people affirming you right that's that's essentially what our space is when when it comes down to right and so if you're not getting that affirmation from your family or uh people at school or people at work then like find your community you can always come to ganache space if if you need if you need additional support because i think when you're trying to figure out whether or not you feel crazy because of who you might love or who how you identify um i think it's really important to see that it's totally normal whatever that term means right and totally um still perfect right um and then i and, and then i think in terms of allyship i would say one practice queerness and being open right <laughs> being open to everything and being curious about everything right um and you know i think something you know one a, a, a another teacher who is sort of leading the sort of trans yoga space very simply he he was just like please just put your pronouns everywhere I know it's just so simple, but but like, and he was just like, I am like, you see Instagram just like release that new sort of feature um, that you can do that. But I think it's a really big nod because otherwise there's sort of like this dance that you have to do in certain spaces of like people um, not knowing how to appropriately identify someone and then people get misgendered as a result, right? And so I would say, find some trans, um, uh, particularly black trans communities and organizations you want to donate to, put your pronouns in, and then just be just be open and open to learning and knowing that you're probably going to make a mistake. And that's okay. But like, don't, um, don't like let that limit you into wanting to continue to show up and be in and be compassionate and human to human to, to all these um, different folks within the community. I, I love that. Well, Kim, we have to wrap. I feel like there's so much more, I mean, to touch on and, you know, the hit, the history books are being written as we speak. Um, there has certainly been progress in the last uh, 50 years and, and even in the last five and 10, but we got a long, long way to go. And thank you for the work you're doing. And thanks for being a guest on Future of XYZ, talking about the future of queerness on this Thursday before Pride Parade. Well, thank you so much, Lisa, and I appreciate your allyship and giving me a platform. And, um, you know, I hope everyone has a happy pride. 
Absolutely. And for everyone listening, um, find those places you can donate. Go out on the streets on Sunday uh, and celebrate Pride and all of your queer brethren. Um, and make sure if you don't already, uh, subscribe to Future of XYZ. You can find us on YouTube, you can find us on Instagram, and you can find us across streaming platforms wherever you get your podcasts. So thank you for listening. Thank you, Kim, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Future of XYZ. If you like what you've been hearing, please follow Lisa Grelnick on LinkedIn. Visit future-of.xyz or subscribe to The Future of XYZ podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.